the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, me, Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that, and every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of Smackdown, skip to Maloon, my darling. It looks like a frog splash coming from Vicky Guerrero. What, what in the world? He's about to make a, a Kelly tortilla oh, here. No. <laughs> Vicky from the top rope. Go ahead, get your moment, Vicky. WrestleMania over the years. <laughs> King, I gotta say, that was definitely a WrestleMania moment. One that will live forever in your mind, I'm sure. Yes, I've, I've been traumatized. All right, let's get it going right here, right now. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, and you are listening to the flagship two-man power trip of wrestling podcast. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, every single week, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only JP, John Paz, here exclusively on the TMPT Empire. And John, today we get to hear a chat that you had with somebody who, once we say this phrase... Excuse me. 
you think of one person, and that is today's guest, Vicky Guerrero, joining the two-man power trip. And, of course, Vicky Guerrero being a huge, huge part of WWE programming for the good part of about 10 years, stemming with, you know, starting with Eddie Guerrero, her husband, but then just really transcending anything anybody could have ever imagined and becoming such a mainstay of the programming on both Raw and SmackDown and, and a lot of big angles. Uh, but Vicky Guerrero now also getting into the podcast game, so that's something we can respect. And I love to give the platform to speak about that. But, John, as we get rolling into this now, what can we look forward today with this interview with Vicky Guerrero? Yeah, the new podcast, of course, entitled Excuse Me, The Vicky Guerrero Show, available wherever you want to get your podcast. It's everywhere, so that is a good thing to look forward to. And, of course, you know, the first thing we really kind of get into, really talk about was the podcast and entering the podcast world and what she wants to do with it, how she wants to be different and kind of make it her own and do her own thing. And, and she's got some stories on there, some secrets revealed, uh, goes into personal life. Life, a lot of cool stuff on that show and of course i think one thing that i think a lot of the fans always look for is like oh who can they get as guests who are they going to get as a guest this and that so so far she's had on medusa ruby riot and edge just to cover a few people so pretty uh good list of names there to get on the show just to kind of uh start out is very very cool and i like how she's going a little bit different a little bit more in depth and she promises interviews from not only WB guys, current and ex-WB guys, but she promises NWA, she promises AEW, New Japan, Impact, Ring of Honor, she promises interviews from everywhere all around the world, and Michelle McCool will be joining the show, so it's pretty pretty cool, a pretty good list. Uh, I think a lot of people may know Michelle McCool from hey, her run as Lay Cool, but also as The Undertaker's Wife. It's pretty crazy, you know, obviously we know a lot about podcasts starting up and, and especially podcasts with different personalities in the wrestling business uh but vicky guerrero definitely one that i feel like could kind of reach uh, a good audience you know people like i said seen her for 10 plus years on wwe programming but she also seems like somebody who made a lot of friends and obviously you know has some great stories that she's ready to share and you know there's so many people today who were influenced by her husband, the late great Eddie Guerrero, the WWE Hall of Famer, that I'm sure there's going to be a lot of insight into that as well. And just kind of gearing up and getting ready to hear some of this, you know, I'm sure Eddie's presence is always going to be felt whenever we think of anything uh, that the, uh, the the great Miss Guerrero does do, even in the podcast world, because it's always going to have some sort of Eddie kind of overhang in the background. Yeah, I mean, we do get into Eddie quite a good bit and talk about you know, his influence on her and, and a lot of the other wrestlers, I mean, a ton of wrestlers in wrestling, you still see that influence very, very heavy on a lot of people today. And I just think it's great that, uh, you know, so much time has passed, but, it's, you know, his memory is so fresh in obviously her mind, but everybody else's mind, because he did have such a major, major impact on the business. One of the greatest workers, if not the greatest worker of all time in the business, just such a great wrestler and we talk about how not only did he kind of master that part and, and you know chad we've been watching him ever since he was kind of like that enhancement guy and then as he goes through his run he just kept getting bigger and bigger and better and better and all through ecw obviously new japan as well but ecw then wcw then the wb so i mean we've seen that his progress but it was funny like when you think about it so many people remember him more as a character i feel like than an actual in-ring wrestler i mean of course you respect and appreciate what he did what he did in the ring 
but what he did as a character, and he really made himself known on a national and global basis as far as being Latino heat and doing the lie, cheat, and steal gimmick. And we go into that in great depth. We talk about getting that character and getting that confidence and kind of getting that swagger as far as creating that character and living it and being able to breathe it and really, really show your stuff and show what you can do and have that range. And I just thought it was so cool to kind of relive some of the classic Eddie Guerrero moments. Absolutely. And we think of lie, cheat, and steal with Eddie. But again, that excuse me with Vicky Guerrero, it's uh, undeniable, it's unmistakable. And now not only is it a catchphrase, but it's also a podcast. So uh, the best to Vicky Guerrero and company as they uh, they kind of get rolling with this. Uh, yeah, you said the Michelle McCool episode, uh, Real Britt Baker uh, mm-hmm. yep. from AEW. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm saying it as her Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Michelle McCool and obviously Britt Baker from AEW uh, on the show as well. So a lot to look forward to. And like I said, we know what it's like to get these things off the ground. So uh, best of luck to everybody and hopefully uh, a nice, uh, prosperous future in the podcast world for Vicky Guerrero and company. So as we kind of get moving here, we get it on to the interview with Vicky Guerrero just want to remind you all the stuff going on in the TMPT Empire. Head on over to our website, TMPTEmpire.com, and check out all of the different pages we have for the podcast under our umbrella, including the franchise Shane Douglas and the Triple Threat Podcast, which is over on the Vince Russo brand, and then the shows under the TMPT Podcast umbrella, including JJ the JJ Dillon Podcast, Francine's Eyes Up Here, and of course, the show you're listening to right now, the TMPT flagship, the interview show of a lifetime right here on the TMPT Empire. So let's wrap it up here nice. Let's hit you with some more two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to Vicky Guerrero. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Check out the feed for awesome past episodes, including Bruno San Martino, Sean Mike, Dusty Rhodes, Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk, Goldberg, Ray Mysterio Jr., Arn Anderson, and Glenn Kane Jacobs, and so many more. While you're on the web, visit ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. Visit our store, visit JJ Dillon's store, Francine's store, and of course, the franchise Shane Douglas store for all you Android users out there find us on Google Play and Player FM for all you iOS users check us out on TuneIn Radio Spotify iHeartRadio Podomatic and now Stitcher and of course check out the Empire yes that is the TMPT Empire now TMPTEmpire.com for all the latest and greatest on the two man power trip of wrestling and now, without any further ado, the former general manager of Raw and SmackDown, the queen of mean, the head cougar in charge, excuse me, it is Vicky Guerrero. Viva la raza! If you're not cheating, you're not trying. We lie, we cheat, we steal. We lie, we cheat, 
we steal. Mama see now, we got that passion that's lasting long. Those head is fall in love with that Latin charm. One woman isn't enough, amigo. Siempre cogiendo más mujeres porque somos Latino. And we tougher than tough, calling your bluff, cuz. We lie, we cheat, we steal. We lie, we cheat, we steal. We don't care if you like us. Everybody wants to fight us. Hey, oye lo claro, we eat the ones you wanna meet. Hay nada más caliente. We're too hot for you. Latino heat, chavito heat. Streets in the ghetto. At the end of the week, we get to keep your dinero. All right, fast joining me on the line right now is a former general manager of WWE Raw and SmackDown, the former head cougar in charge, the queen of mean. Excuse me, it is Vicky Guerrero. Vicky, welcome to the Two Man Power Trip. <laughs> Excuse me. Hi, John. How are you? <laughs> I am doing very good. I I love that. Was that always kind of an easy thing for you? Because it's so interesting that you weren't really in the business per se, but then you, they put you on TV and you become this massive heel. You know, they excuse me. It, was that easy for you, that kind of transition? Um, you know, it, it took a while. I mean, you know, I wasn't, this is not what I was supposed to be doing in life. <laughs> but, um, you know, I had some great people that mentored me. And, you know, watching Eddie for so many years, you know, you kind of figured out how, you know, everything kind of played out with, you know, the schedule and the characters. And I just kind of, you know, just found my confidence and my strength, and I love the character that they let me be, and it was just a, a great day at the office every night. <laughs> and, of course, Excuse Me is the name of your new podcast, The Vicky Guerrero Show, which is out there, and, and you have done a couple episodes, and you're enjoying that. So what's going on as far as this Vicky Guerrero Show and you getting into the podcast world? Well, you know, I um, Jerry Strauss, who's my co-host, had presented it with me, and at first I didn't – I wasn't too keen about it. I didn't think I, you know, that's, I never thought about doing a podcast and, um, you know, just uh, having, I always keep busy. And so when we kind of started talking and we did our, our first and second guest, I fell in love with it. And I thought that it was such a great concept for me to research people and to, I just wanted my show to be different, to have, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversations and just everyone to be who they were and not to have not for them to kind of say be on point or be, you know, performing. I just wanted to, you know, get to know them as in their personal life because I think what happens is, you know, with me being a WWE superstar is that people just focus on who, who, you know, which character you're playing. And there's never much conversation about my personal life or, you know, what, what are the kind of things I like to do, you know, on my off time. So I really try and make it to where it's not so much that, you know, that my guests are such legends and, you know, musicians and um, superstars, but there's also that, that um, personal time they have. And uh, we try and have fun and, you know, ask some silly questions and um, just let them, you know, kind of describe their days and just kind of talk about their family life and how they balance life and work and their workout schedule. And it's quite a, a great conversation because a lot of them are like, wow, thank you for asking me that because all they want to talk about is what I do on TV. And I'm like, no, it's, I like to be opposite of that. So it's, it's been a pretty good result, you know, and we're going on five weeks right now. That is very cool. And you do have some pretty interesting guests. I mean, Edge, Ruby Riot, Medusa, pretty, pretty damn good uh, list of, uh, as far as wrestling. Good yeah, this week, 
yeah, this week we released uh, Michelle McCool and Dr. Britt Baker, and we just interviewed our first NWA star, which was um, Allison Kay. So we're getting exposed to a lot of the different wrestling promotions. I think it's so awesome because there's so many great um, superstars out there, and, and the content, it'll keep us busy for a long time. <laughs> that is for sure. It's going to keep you very busy. Do you find that doing the podcast is kind of easy for you, hard for you? You know, as far as like it's going to be time consuming because you got to do the research and you got to record and you got to, you know, find out when the co-host is available, you know, things like that. Have you found any kind of problems or any hitches in it? No, I think, well, I think our, our main hitch would probably be uh, the internet. <laughs> you know, mm, my co-host yes. has a storm or I'm in a place where the signal's not very good. I think that's our biggest um, pet peeve. But um, as far as the guests, everyone's been so great and, um, you know, being on the air and, you know, giving us their time from their busy schedules. And, you know, I just finished getting my um, bachelor's degree at, from college. So I think me just kind of keep doing research is kind of in me. And I, I love, I love just learning about new people and, you know, all the different um, uh, projects that they're involved with. So I, 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 I'm liking it, you know, it's, it keeps me busy and I love the, the weekly, you know, grind, you know, to keep the content moving. So it's been fun. As far as your bachelor's degree, what did you get a degree in? In, in healthcare administration. So I, hopefully one day I'll be able to run a clinic, but the wrestling world keeps pulling me back in, so I don't know if that's going to take place or not. <laughs> hmm. you want to get more into that and away from wrestling, or do you want to stay within the wrestling world? Um, you know, right now I'm just I'm, I'm creating a lot of journeys for myself. Right now I'm writing my autobiography, and I have an editor and a literary agent who's helping me uh, write my book. And so we're going to be selling the book in about three weeks in New York. And so when that kicks off and that gets published, we're going to do um, about a six-month book tour. So um, it's going to keep me busy, and it's, I tend to hustle a lot and always have something planned. You know, when when one project ends, I have something else to fall back on. So I just uh, I think that's the WWE schedule in me that I just can't sit for one day or sit for too long. <laughs> hmm. And what was the process like writing the book? It's still going, you know, there's a, it's a big project, you know, I, I started about, gosh, eight years ago, and you kind of jot, and I um, journaled a lot, but, you know, to put my story into a book form, and my editor is so wonderful, um, Nancy just, uh, you know, she's always working with me to tell me, put me in the room, you know, put me there, let me, let me feel like I'm there with you, and so it's brought a different prospect of me not only just telling my thoughts and what I felt, but just to um, inform the audience, you know, exactly what was going on in, in that point of time. So uh, it's it's really interesting how everything works in the process of selling the book and trying to sell it to publishing companies, but that's why I pay them for. So the, their work is getting ready to begin, so I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the off time. <laughs> mm. Was it hard for you to kind of relive some stuff when you actually have to go back and rethink and kind of really relive what your past and kind of go forward and write the book? Absolutely. You know, it's um, it's my years before I met Eddie and then, you know, dating him and going through our, um, we were married and, of course, through his drug abuse and alcoholic days. It's um, It's been bittersweet. You know, there's some some chapters that I have a hard time getting through. And I, I love myself enough to where I take my time and I just um, write my story of what my side of it was. And it was just really important for me because being married to Eddie, no one ever asked how I was doing, you know, and he, his book is so wonderfully written. 
and I was there when he wrote his book. And so um, it was such a great experience because he was able to, you know, just tell his story and how he fought his demons. And, you know, the last four years of his life, he was sober and he was really proud of the book that he wrote to be a witness to other people. And, and so after he passed away and I was going through my career at WWE, I really wanted my book to be a witness as well for women and men who are living with people that have, you know, drug abuse problems or alcohol problems. And um, either being a single mom, you know, uh, I raised my two girls, you know, working a career and having kids at home, it kind of it has exposure to different demographics and genres. So um, I just want to be that voice to say, you know, I don't have all the answers, but this is how my life played out, and these are the things that, that helped me through my trials. That is great, and definitely going to be interested in that. That's going to be a great read. As far as experiences with the book and, and writing the book, anything kind of surprise you? Like, oh, my God, I forgot about that, or oh, my God, like stuff like that. Anything kind of pop up and surprise you? Yeah, everything surprised me. <laughs> There's a lot of years that, you know, you, um, you tend to forget, you know, just, uh, you know, you start thinking about chronological order and, you know, things that happen. And sometimes my daughters will be like, well, don't you remember this? And I'm like, no. And then, uh, you know, it's amazing how, you know, because, you know, during Eddie's death, you know, you just kind of block out a lot of sad times. And my daughters remembered a lot of things. So we've been working together on, you know, trying to help each other, you know, write my story. And um, it's just amazing how, gosh, you know, Eddie's been passed away for almost 16 years. And, it's uh it's a long time <laughs> and uh you know and then before that so it takes some time and uh just to you know make sure that i have all the facts and everything correct so it's a lot of work did you ever keep a journal like they say uh, you know brad hard and mcfoley always kind of kept a journal and they always wrote everything down they could just almost go back to it and if they forgot anything was that ever did you ever keep a journal or a diary where you're like oh yeah i can go back and kind of fact check myself or go look and see if i remember this or that no, I didn't. I mean, I, I did find some journals I, I kept, you know, maybe uh, every now and then, you know, I would write. But to tell you the truth, I was so busy, you know, with traveling and going to school and raising my girls that I was I did a horrible job at keeping like a memoir, so to speak. So um, I, I really a lot of my uh, pictures and, you know, just kind of sitting and meditating and remembering the times with Eddie and the girls and then going through my career, my own career. So it takes a lot of time just to kind of, you know, sit back and make sure that I have everything uh, remembered right. <laughs> Absolutely. And do you ever kind of sit back and think like, wow, I can't believe, you know, I went from being the, the wife of a, of a wrestler. Now people are so interested in me that they want my story <laughs> and what I went through. Right. Isn't that kind of interesting too? Oh yeah. I still pinch myself, you know, especially uh, when I left WWE in 2014, you know, I kind of figured, well, that's the end of my career, you know, I, this is what I've asked for. And um, I was going to school and I thought, I just kind of thought in my mind, you know, it's it's a closed door and it was great. I love the ride. It was such a great experience. But then I started figuring out that, you know, there was so much more to do out there. It wasn't just because I retired that wrestling was over for me. There was the Comic-Cons and there was signings and there was other promotions that they wanted me to become you know, their general manager for the weekend. And so it was just a, it was kind of a, a wake up time. You know, I thought, gosh, this is going to be, it's not over after all. <laughs> I can still work and go to school and still enjoy the ring because um, the ring is what I miss every day, you know, and, uh, and the fans are just showing me so much love and support and, you know, going to the grocery store, they still yell, excuse me, or they'll come <laughs> up to me and they're like, oh my God, it's you. And I'm like, I'm like over my shoulder, like, you know, 
who are you looking for? And I'm like, oh, it's me, yeah. Mm. You're <laughs> so a star. It's still a, it's still a, they're, I call them blessings, you know, because the fans are so great. And um, I just, I owe them a lot because without them, I couldn't be here today. Now, as far as WB and getting into the WB and kind of making your debut, obviously, originally, it was kind of on TV with Eddie. And it is funny that now, in 2019, Dominic, Rey Mysterio's uh-huh. son, yeah. is, is going to be a wrestler and involved in TV. It is funny. That's kind of how you got started. You were on TV. And that crazy feud with Mysterio and Dominic and Eddie. Yeah. You know, I just, uh, I never thought it was going to amount to anything. You know, Eddie never wanted me and the girls to be involved with the wrestling just because we really like to keep our personal life, you know, at home. And Eddie was going to, you know, be on the road and be in front of the camera. And we were okay with that. And then when it became such a success that, you know, my girls could cry on cue and they weren't scared of walking down the ramp and seeing all the people. And, um, you know, they, they were just naturals and I enjoyed it. And I think I, I wanted to do a good job because I didn't want to go home to Eddie pissed off. <laughs> that was our mm. main focus. But, um, you know, just having that experience. But I, I performed a lot during high school and college. So being in front of crowds never bothered me. You know, I, I didn't get nervous or, you know, where, you know, I was just kind of frightened. But, of course, there's a different audience and a different company. But, um, yeah, just how the full circle of now watching, you know, the next generation come up. And Dominic, I'm so proud of him. And I feel so old when I watch him on TV because he, he looks like this grown man to this little boy. But um, he's so talented, and he's got his dad to, you know, guide him, you know, in this crazy industry, and he's in good hands. So I'm really happy to see him in the ring and see where he's going to go with his career. Yeah, it's so cool kind of think back to 05 when that all kind of started with Dominic and Eddie, and now see, you know, he's getting beat up on TV by, by Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I mean, it, it is, like you're right, very full circle, pretty really yeah. cool moment. I'm sure Ray enjoyed that because it wasn't him getting beat up. So <laughs> he took one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And now Ray is doing his own beating. He's beating up Brock every week, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I love Ray. And, um, you know, I just he's they're always going to be family to me. And even though we don't see each other, you know, I thank God for, like, social media, you know, on our phones because we still see each other in different events. And it's just great to bump into them and catch up, you know, where we left off. Was that a crazy kind of feud when you look back? And obviously, you know, Vince McMahon is kind of the, the spearhead of WWE, but looking back and, and the writing and being involved with that feud, was that something where, like, ooh, this is kind of taboo or this is crazy that, you know, we're going to pretend that Eddie is Dominic's real father? <laughs> well, you know, at first, you know, every storyline, you know, it has a beginning. You know, we think, oh, this is good. And, you know, it was going so well that, you know, we didn't think it was going to last for eight, almost, gosh, eight months. But, you know, you know, Vince, I mean, he likes to make it as real as possible. And uh, when he started involving, you know, me, uh, Ray's wife, Angie, and the kids, then our family started wondering, well, gosh, Vicky, is this really true? Like, did Eddie really sleep with Angie? Like, you know, are you okay? <laughs> and so when, when you start convincing the family that this could be a possibility that's happened in our family, we knew that we were onto something really good, you know. And, and when we had the family convinced that the storyline you know, that could be true, and then to have them watch us on TV and then carry that out, it was really a lot of fun because I got to keep a secret from the family, you know, that this really wasn't true. But um, to uh, just see how the, the fans were reacting in our own family, we knew that it was we were on to something pretty cool. And it's funny now, if you look at social media, look at people maybe that didn't even watch back then, they're like, wait, isn't Eddie Dominic's father? Why is Ray with Dominic? Like, they even get confused. Yeah. Like, they even forget. <laughs> 
And, and, you know, Dominic was such a baby face and, you know, the way they did his hair and he dressed, you never knew like which guy, you know, could have been his real dad. So it was a lot of fun. And, you know, Dominic was such a, he was so great. I mean, he probably had the most, you know, lines and the most action from the storyline. And every night he just went out there and just, it was perfection. You know, we were so proud of him every time he did something for for the storyline. And I thought it was cool when you got involved at SummerSlam, you basically cost Eddie the match versus Ray. <laughs> and you were still like the baby face. You almost went against your husband. You're like, you are so evil and so bad. I can't let you win. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was so great because I could throw Eddie off the ladder and not get arrested for it or be in trouble. So, <laughs> And Eddie was good with it, so I was like, let's do it. <laughs> but uh, it was, there was a little fear. I mean, you, you want to make sure that the ladder was placed in the right place and I didn't push him too much, you know, just enough to where, you know, he could catch himself on the road. But it was a lot of fun. Is it one of those things where beforehand Eddie says something to you, like, you know, don't really push me up the ladder or, like, you know, do it you know, this way? Or, or are you, like, so professional, you're so tuned in at this point, like, you know exactly what you're doing, you don't need anybody kind of helping you along? Um, you know, it was – we didn't rehearse it. I mean, because I don't think they wanted me to worry about it. I was really scared. I mean, you know, was either Eddie going to land on the floor or on the barriers, you know, by the fans, or, you know, was he going to be able to catch himself on the ropes? And during rehearsal, they, they we really didn't go over it that much to where they wanted me just to feel the ladder without Eddie being on it. I think that was great for me because I didn't think too much about it, you know, because then I'd be worried about, you know, if he'd overshot it, you know, at rehearsal, then I'd probably be nervous, you know, that I didn't want to push it too much. But if I didn't push it at all, then it wasn't going to work out. So um, they were just great, and Eddie always was assuring me. He's like, you know, don't worry, you know, I will make sure that I get to where I'm supposed to be. And he was such a natural at, you know, heights and, you know, falling off things. But um, I pushed it just right. I mean, we were really happy about how everything ended up, and it was a fun night. Did you kind of catch the bug that night? We were like, man, I want to keep going. I want to do another thing in wrestling. I want to keep doing it. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, we knew that that was going to be the end of it. And, um after that happened, we started making our move to Phoenix. So we were busy, you know, selling our house and, you know, um, finding a house in Phoenix. So we just kind of went back to the home life and kids went back to school and, you know, Eddie kept on working. So it was just like a, we knew it was going to be over with and done. Um, I never imagined that, you know, after, um, you know, Eddie had passed away and, and they called me later that year and said, you know, do you want to come work with, you know, Chris Benoit and Ray and Chris Jericho and, I was like, yeah, you know, maybe two months, you know, because I have the girls at home and I could find family to watch them. But then, uh, you know, two months ended up being 10 years, and it was just like, it was a dream. I mean, I loved every minute of it. It is crazy that it's kind of like, okay, you know, it's going to be short term, it's going to be nothing, and then it ends up being 10 years in the biggest (laughs) wrestling company in the world. Pretty insane. Like, you even think back and, and relive, it's like, wow, 10 years, oh, my God. Yeah, you know, and I, I still went back for WWE for, like, the first ever Women's Re- Royal Rumble and then there was Evolution. Mm-hmm. And, yep. you know, just uh, I always kept my doors open with them. And, you know, Vince has a, a special place in my heart. And so, you know, of course, anytime he calls, you know, I always say yes because I just – I always want to work with him. I mean, I love working, you know, for the company. And, um, you know, so just being a part of that and you know, also being able to work with other companies as well – um, it's just it's still been a lot of fun, and my career just keeps going. So I'm not gonna I'm gonna keep going as long as it takes me. <laughs> that is great. And when he does, after Eddie's death, he does 
bring you back and say he wants you on TV. How does he kind of like frame it that he wants you to be, you know, this crazy heel character or like how, what does he say like to kind of get you to, to do it? Like, it's almost like, Hey, you know, we, we want you um, and you're going to play this certain character or is it one of those things that he wants to bring in and talk to you, see how comfortable you are with doing certain things? Um, I, it was just, you know, coming as Eddie's wife, you know, and, and working with the guys, you know, especially as me and Ray, we had a, a lot of history there. And then with, um, you know, Chris Benoit and, uh, you know, with Jericho and, you know, Dean Malenko, I mean, all these, all these guys, you know, I had a history with. And I think that when I started getting comfortable and they started giving me these promos and I kind of, you know, got more comfortable being in the ring, that's when they started saying, hey, well, you know, how about let's, you know, turn you heel and see, if you, get, you know, you want to manage Edge. And it just, I mean, it, it went really fast. I mean, I couldn't believe how fast my character was being developed. But, you know, anything they gave me, I, was, I said yes to. And, you know, these were, my, these were my friends and my family. So it wasn't like I was working with these strangers who I didn't know, which, you know, some of them, of course, I didn't. But, you know, everyone just, my nephew Chavo just took me under their wing and, they let me ask all the questions I wanted because, you know, I would just, some things I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, you want me to do that? Mm. <laughs> you know, but um, I think just because I had such a, a great relationship with everyone backstage that they opened up their, their arms to me and just gave me advice and, you know, suggestions and, you know, just kind of, you know, brought me under their wing and it really made me feel comfortable. And pretty soon I was able to stand on my own and um, I just took off running from there. Is there a moment where you kind of like discovered yourself like, man, wow, like I'm really good at playing a healer. I'm really good at getting people to boo me. Or if I say this or act a certain way, it's like, boom, uh, you know, light bulb pops off. It's like, wow, these people just absolutely <laughs> hate me right now. Yeah, I think I, I discovered my character was, was when um, I was with Edge when we, you know, he was already a heel. And so he was making me feel comfortable. You know, he would, I started cheating for him and, you know, and um, distracting the ref, you know, during his matches and we were winning, you know, titles. And it, that's when I started feeling like, gosh, I really love my character. I love being, you know, the heel. I love making people, you know, be angry with me. And, you know, it was, it was this whole thing of, <clears throat> excuse me, just this whole, um, you know, program where we created La Familia and then, you know, Edge was going to marry me and that made the fans even more upset. And, you know, Vince always told me, you know, when the fans don't don't like you and they show all that animosity, that's money. And that's what a good heel does is just keep the fans entertained every night. And I just, I was, I was loving it. I mean, the more the fans hated me, I was, I was, more excited the next time. I'm like, what are we going to do next night? You know, what's happening next week? <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. That is so cool because you wouldn't think of it. It's like, okay, you know, we see you in 05 and, and you're just, you know, Eddie's wife. And all of a sudden you play this like vicious, mean heel character. Like I kind of said before, <laughs> the queen of mean, you were like, you know, just absolutely hated by the crowd. Was that easy for you kind of away from wrestling, like away from the ring almost to get used to? It? It's like, okay, you know, everyone hates me, but you know what I mean? Some heels love being heels and, and some people have to get used to it. Um, you know, I, I of course there were some bad days, you know, where when the fans, you know, showed a lot of uh, anger or, you know, the comments, you know, they would say when I was, you know, walking through the, you know, the parking lot. But, you know, that's, I got used to that with Eddie. You know, when he was a heel, a lot of people hated him, threw things at him and told him horrible things. But I think just watching Eddie and how he composed himself and say, you know, that's my job. And so I think when I, I was exposed to it, I was okay because I learned a lot from watching Eddie. 
And um, yeah, so you have to have a thick skin, but you also have to love what you do inside the ring because if you're going to be a heel, you got to do it 100%. You can't take it back and say, you know, I don't like, I don't like how they're treating me. And then, you know, the next night, you know, enjoy. I think you just have to be, you know, 100% full character and just, you know, learn to enjoy it. But I was good at coming home and separating it. So I was mom at home, you know, we were, you know, go to the movies, you know, have dinner and make dinner, you know, and spend time together. And then when I got into the arena, I was the bitch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I turned into a different person. Hey, let's pause one minute and tell you about this week's sponsor, Harry's. Are you tired of looking for the perfect gift for the man in your life this holiday season? If you answered yes to that question, then why not take a chance? Head on over to harrys.com, use the promo code POWERTRIP, and take advantage of a very special offer just for the listeners of the two-man power trip of wrestling. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave, it hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. And that's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. Now this is talking from personal experience. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of getting a dull cliche gift like socks, a wallet, a tie, and your regular standard gift card. But this holiday season, I'm turning to Harry's to get the Harry's holiday sets to share with all the important loved ones in my life to give them the opportunity to experience the difference of using Harry's. Harry's doesn't just talk a big game, they actually deliver. And discovering the Harry's razors and the Harry's post-shave balm, I can honestly tell you, my mornings have gotten better. And as a very special offer for the fans of the two-man power trip, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com slash power trip. Plus, you'll get free shipping. Each Harry's shave set comes with a weighted handle with an option to engrave, a five-blade razor cartridge, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, a travel cover to protect your blades, and it's always packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. Or if you just want something for yourself, redeem a Harry's trial offer to experience the quality of the shave before committing. Just head to harrys.com slash power trip. Again, that's harrys.com slash power trip. Use our promo code power trip and experience the difference of Harry's this holiday season. Did the kids, I know they were used to it with Eddie, but did the kids ever say, like, oh, I can't believe you did that on TV, or wow, why did you do that? Did they ever, like, react like that when you get home? <laughs> I think they, they saw so much with Eddie that nothing saved them. I think whenever I would, you know, they call, like, you know, what are you doing tonight? Or, you know, they would watch, and then I'd just come home, and they'd just shake their head and walk away. <laughs> it was just like... Oh wow, mom, that was a good one. <laughs> or hmm. they just got, you know, they were they were so great, but sometimes they just shook their head and they didn't have to say anything. I was like, yeah, that must have been pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the Edge storyline was definitely controversial as far as people just like absolutely hated it because they knew on the surface he was you kind of using you to to get yeah. you know further himself and this and that. So it was like more controversy to it. Did you like that storyline as far as I mean, the crowd really sunk their teeth into it. Yeah, I think if it wasn't for Edge being there, and I just I got to watch him a lot, you know, and how he played his character, and you know, I observed so much, and you know, I didn't know a lot of the wrestling, you know, terms and moves. So when the guys would, you know, get together and they'd go over the match, and you know, when I would sit there, I would I always it was really quiet, but I was learning all the time, like absorbing all the you know, the sequences and, you know, and Edge would tell me, okay, Vicky, this is the part you're going to come in on and we need you here and then we need you to come over here. I really took my part seriously because I wanted to 
show the guys that they could depend on me and that I was there because I wanted to be, not because I was just Eddie's wife or I really didn't, you know, care about the, the whole show because I did. You know, this is my family. This is the, the business that fed my family and, you know, supported Eddie. And so it was just, um, you know, observing them and learning and respecting what they did that I just, I fell into my own, you know, heel character. And I really, you know, just embraced it and enjoyed it. How about taking bumps? Did they kind of prepare you for that? You know, you would get tombstone <laughs> from the Undertaker, different things like that. It, was that something that was hard to prepare for? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, you know, like with Undertaker, we didn't do rehearsal. He just told me, kid, you know, you're going to just let me handle you. You know, I just want you to hold on tight when I turn you upside down. And when when we drop, you know, I'll catch you and, you know, you'll be fine. And, you know, I, I went to Chavo that night and I was just like, should I be doing this? <laughs> I'm really worried <laughs> about this one. And, but, you know, these guys just treated me with a lot of respect. And, of course, you know, I figured with Undertaker, as tall as he was, I think I had a pretty good shot that I wasn't going to get my head, you know, harmed in any way. But, um, you know, with anything with, like, the Raymond Studio and he, the West Coast Pop, you know, on top of the, the top rope when I was in the wheelchair, um, you know, we kind of walked through it, but Ray didn't want to do the rehearsal with me. You know, I think that was the best thing these guys could have done because it wasn't in my head if something went wrong. You know, it was just, uh, let's just go out there and do it. And um, it was great. I mean, you know, these guys were professionals, and, you know, I truly loved them, and I trusted them, and I think that's how everything just always had magic every night because I didn't, I didn't hold myself back, and I gave my, you know, I just, give everything I had, you know, and, and be the place I was supposed to be, that was the important part. <laughs> yes, you got to, you know, know your cues. You got to know where you're going to yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty cool that, that they kind of put you in there with Undertaker and Ray. You know, I mean, the guys are the, the, the best of the best. So you're working with some, some of the top talent. But you kind of, you know, made it your own, like as far as the wedding angle, the engagement, the wedding is off and it's back on. It was always a, a key point of SmackDown, always a big part of the show. And you really kind of held your own. Were you, you know, not in acting school per se, but were you kind of doing the acting thing even back then? Like you said, you did some acting earlier, but was that something that's a part of like the WWE programming and regiments? Like, okay, you know, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, on fire because I'm working with all these veterans. Um, no, you know, I mean, I, when I started with WWE, I think it was the year maybe 2006 and 2007, WWE brought in Freddie Prince Jr. And so he would hold workshops for any superstar that wanted to attend. And say if our call time was at 2, he would start his class at 11. And so me, Michelle McCool, Dolph Ziggler, I mean, he must have had maybe like 30 uh, stars in there at one time and he would show us how to act and he would show us different scenarios and he would have us do monologues and I loved it you know and of course you know going to the show and doing scripts um, you know we we we're pretty good I mean at doing theatrics whether we were angry happy conniving manipulative I mean whatever it was everyone did a great job and of course if Vince didn't like it then he would tell you I need more you know or I need less or you're, you're doing too much but, you know, we, everyone took direction pretty good. But I did theater in high school and, um, you know, just being a dancer and uh, being in the band, you know, you always have that performance, you know, kind of um, attitude. But, yeah, in WWE, it really uh, brought out a lot of acting uh, techniques that I didn't know about. 
And then after I retired, I started acting class. So now I'm being represented by an agency, and um, I'm auditioning for commercials and hopefully a feature film. So that's the next step in my – and another journey that I'm creating is that I want to be an actress, you know, and make some movies and sitcoms if, if God lets me. Nice. I love it. And it's funny because some people – or they they used to, not really so much anymore, all oh, wrestlers. Oh, you come from the wrestling world. Well, <laughs> look at The Rock, the number one box office draw. Look at John Cena now making his way. And, you oh, know, incredible. It's yeah. Pretty cool. It's, it's actually a, a plus now that you were a wrestler in, in the wrestling business and go to the acting industry, right? Yeah. I just, you know, it's, I think we work so much with the camera that it kind of gives you the edge, you know, like what else can I do with this camera? And, um, you know, I, I've done some auditions and, uh, you know, and seeing my friends on the on the big screen, you know, I just, I get that eagerness and, you know, I want to be there. And um, I've been doing a lot of classes and, you know, I have an agent and, um, you know, I just, I would love to share the screen with, you know, John Cena or The Rock. And I don't see too many females that are, you know, on acting, but I would love to make a mark for the women's division, you know, to make it on the big screen. Definitely very, very cool. And, I feel like WB definitely will prepare you, and obviously I think The Rock and even Hogan back in the day. I mean, he was in a ton of movies and stuff too. So it's it's definitely one of those things that it prepares you for acting, whether the acting world wants to believe yeah. it or not. But it, it's it's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. And it's probably unlike anything you've done before because it's sometimes live, and you got to go out there and do it live. There's no second takes. You got to just do it. Yeah, the good thing about, you know, at WWE is that they give you a promo and, you know, you go live in 30 minutes or, you know, you do a segment, you know, and it's okay, be ready in 20. So, you know, I got really good at memorizing. And even if you didn't memorize the correct script, you still ad-libbed and you improvised to make it the best you could, you know, and get to the point of what they wanted. And most of the time it worked really well. And so going to acting classes and, you know, working with my agency, they're like, are you okay memorizing? I'm like, yes. (laughs) Hmm. <laughs> and you know they don't a lot of them don't know my background you know so when I go to different workshops or classes and you know they want everything spontaneous you know I just I feel comfortable and it just makes me you know more you know excited that if I could get that chance to do a sitcom or you know a web series you know on Hulu or Netflix you know or even make it to the big screen I just I that's my dream is to just that would be on my bucket list is to make it up there very cool and just kind of rewinding a little bit, I know Dolph Ziggler's name popped up, obviously, because he was in Freddie <laughs> Prince's acting class. But I did want to mention that before I forgot that that storyline with him, too, because that's somewhat controversial. You know, you're the cougar in charge, and you know, he's, <laughs> he's a younger guy, and, like, and you know, he's, quote, unquote, he's going to use you to get to the top. And that kind of storyline. Did you, Were you comfortable doing that as well? Because you kind of fit that like a glove, too. You just kind of did it perfectly yeah. for TV. You know, um, it, you know, there was different personalities. Like, you know, Edge was more of the serious. You know, he would uh, be at the perfectionist. Not that any of the guys weren't, but Edge was more of the um, – it was all business. And then when I worked with Dolph, uh, he was such a sarcastic person out in the ring. You know, like if he was getting, you know, drug all over the place and, you know, he would just be like down and out, he, he would, you know, whisper to me, hey, how's my hair look? You know, it's just <laughs> funny stuff, and I had to be careful what I was listening to with him because I thought I can't break character in the middle of this pay-per-view, you know, segment. But um, he was just a lot of fun, and he, you know, he enjoyed it out there, which made me relax and, you know, have fun with it. And then, you know, working with uh, Jack Swagger in WWE, 
you know, he was a lot of fun too. I mean, he was more, um, he was more the technical wrestler, you know, that wanted to uh, do more wrestling than to entertain, you know. So I had a lot of different um, personalities I worked with, but I learned them all and I learned so much from each guy that I worked with. And even like with like Cool and the McMahons, you know, I think I was the first, you know, person to really work with the McMahons a lot on the ring. And so I was very honored with that. And working with Vince and Stephanie and Triple H really brought me to my game. Like I had to make sure that I wasn't losing my lines or I was there, you know, for everything they needed. And I was blessed. You know, I got to work with a lot of celebrities on Raw being the general manager. And it just it brought a lot of um, exciting moments and opportunities that I'll never forget. That is pretty cool that you get to – get in there with Vince and, and Stephanie and, and stuff. The stuff with Stephanie is cool because she's almost kind of going back at you with your same kind of, you know, vigor and like, you know, bitchiness, so to speak. And, you know what I mean? It's like she comes at you with a lot of anger and stuff too. Is it fun working with Stephanie just in that sense where it's like, all right, wow, who can kind of uh, outmean each other? Yeah, you know, she was – I looked up to her for years. Even when, when Eddie was working with WWE, she was just a – such a an empowering woman and being you know in the business you know part of a you know this family business I just looked up to her so much and then you know with her working with me I was it was very surreal and I was so you know just taken back because they trusted me to be in that ring with them and I think that says a lot you know that they that they did enjoy my character and that made me feel good but I think that I'm the only one who's been fired by Vince, Stephanie and Triple H (laughs) I mean, all, all of them. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of that, of my career, because I don't think a lot of people have been fired by all three of those people. <laughs> that is probably, you're probably right. That is a great stat. Like, who yeah. has been fired by all three of these? That's yeah, great. on my gravestone, it'll be the woman who got fired by Vince, Stephanie, and Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's uh, that's pretty good. And then throw in there, you have been puked on and have been in a hooding match, too. So, I mean, you could throw that in there, too. It's crazy. Oh, thanks, John. You had to remind me of that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I've had every kind of food thrown at me, and uh, yeah, puking. Yeah, that that's all. That's all on my resume. <laughs> is that hard to do? Because they always say Vince says he wouldn't do any. He wouldn't tell you to do anything. He wouldn't do himself. And you know, he once uh, got peed on, like peed on himself in the ring from Steve Austin, and <laughs> hit with a bedpan, and you know, thrown through a table, like all that stuff. Is that true? There's nothing that he wouldn't do that he would make you do. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if he would have done as many food fights as he put me through, but he was always such a gentleman to always, you know, come up to me and ask me, you know, well, I have an idea for tonight. I knew there was going to be something huge or something. It was going to involve a lot of, you know, either food or mud or whatever it was, but he always gave me the respect to give me that, that decision. You know, as long as I made the decision to do it, then he was like, okay, let's do this. And I never said no, you know, because I, I just, uh, I really loved what I was doing. And if I didn't do it, I wasn't going to learn something from it. So from anything that they put me in any kind of position, you know, I was, I learned something from it and I got to work with some great people. And, you know, we had our, our stage hands and our writers and producers and our stunt guy, you know, so it was just a big family back there and everyone just always embraced me with a lot of love and support. And, and I, you know, for me to do a good job, you know, I made them look good and that's what a good night, you know, at the office is. When you end up leaving and your exit, you actually requested your release or, or like what was the situation behind you leaving WWE yeah. in 2014? 
I actually told them in 2013 that I, I was going to give them a year to to give my notice. Uh, I I really, you know, it had been 10 years, and I, I started seeing that my character was being used less. You know, I wasn't as busy anymore, and I was actually doing more homework in the locker room than I was actually in the ring. And so that was kind of disheartening to me because, you know, you travel across the world and you travel – you know, these long flights, you know, just to get to the show, and then you get there and you're not used. And um, I know that's, you know, that's the case where some shows, you know, you don't have to be used. But, you know, when you start going, you know, a lot of weeks with more homework than you do being used in the ring, I just started thinking, you know, that I I love WWE so much and I respect them as first as a family and then a business that I wanted to get my way out of there before I got my pink slip, you know, before they – wish me well in my future endeavors. <laughs> mm. So, you know, I just, um, and I also saw that, you know, I had this this other life of me that I wanted to finish school and I wanted to work in the medical industry. And I just had a lot of things that I wanted to do that I wasn't able to do when Eddie was alive. And it was just my chance to kind of, you know, go on my own terms and give them the respect of when I wanted to leave. And they were great. You know, they just wanted to wish me well. And Vince, I was, it was always, as long as Vince was happy with it, I was okay with it because he was the one that mattered to me out of everyone. And you still, you know, are in the family, so to speak, and making uh, sporadic appearances throughout the years as well. So, I mean, that, yeah. I mean you mentioned the Royal Rumble <laughs> and Evolution. So you're really never out of family, which is great. Yeah, and I just did Table for Three, you know, for them this past WrestleMania with Kurt Engel and Eric Bischoff. Um, you know, so I still see everyone, you know, we still cross paths in different ways. And it's a it's a big family business, you know. So my advice to everyone is you don't burn your bridge because you'll see them later on in life. Hmm. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. <laughs> now, as we head towards the wind down, we head towards the finish. Gotta ask you: You did so much in the wrestling business, and it's crazy to think ten years in the WWE because not a lot of people last years in WWE. One year, it's crazy. Ten years—that's just an, an amazing accomplishment. What do you think? Kind of looking back, to some of your favorite moments in the wrestling business. Oh my gosh, uh, my favorite moments. Um... Oh, I think a special one was inducting Eddie into the Hall of Fame. That was really um, a big night for me and my girls. Um, you know, and gosh, I just, I think just being, you know, to develop a character for me in the WWE, that was something that was, I never thought would happen to me. And given the opportunity, you know, I had to find my courage and confidence and my strength to, to follow through with it. And that was something that I proved to myself that was pretty big, um, you know, uh Gosh, you know, you say memories, probably working with Lake Cool, uh, you know, the McMahons, um, working with the Muppets and Hugh Jackman. Um, gosh, just being all the celebrities, like, it was just a great, it was a great time. I mean, it was 10 years. It felt like it went by in 10 minutes because it went by really fast for me. Such a great experience if you think about, wow, 10 years in WWE. And, you know, you see, <laughs> you know, you see somebody like, wow, one year in WWE. Okay, you know, that's pretty great. But then 10, it's. It is it is amazing. Any regrets as far as wrestling? Like anything you weren't able to do that you you know maybe even want to go back and do or anything like that? Um, I would love to do the frog splash better than what I did at WrestleMania in Texas. <laughs> I, I just uh, I think my knees were just so shot from landing on them all the time for like two months before I did that. But um, you know no, regrets? No, I mean you know I had a great time. I traveled the world. I got to meet fans from all over. You know you know, the world, and I met some friends through there, and I, I still have special friendships from WWE that I still keep with today, um, but 
regrets now because anything I did wrong or anything I could have done better, I, I learned from it. It's made me better person from what I am today. Eddie, obviously, easily one of the greatest of all time. His frog splash was great. Do you think he had the greatest frog splash of all time? A lot of people think Art Barr, you know, or RVD says himself. Do you no, think Eddie no, I'm biased. Eddie was the best. <laughs> I mean, he he truly made magic in that ring, and I mean, he always he always uh, was just trying to reach for higher air, and I think he did that every night. So, um, I I think he's he's the, the number one leader in the frog splash. You think about his career, and I've I've been following a guy forever. I remember when he was kind of just being an enhancement guy back in like eighty nine, ninety, and <laughs> and all the way back then. But then it's like, wow, this guy's got something. You know, he was maybe a little small, but he's got something for that era. And then all of a sudden. You know, he's in New Japan, he's awesome. He's in ACW, he's great. He's in WCW, he's great. But when he gets to WWE, he really kind of developed that Latino Heat character. I mean, WCW had that great LWO, you know, that that was great, and that character. But when he created that Latino Heat character, that was great. Where did he kind of get that from? Because it is such a cool character, and so many people just, like, fell in love with him at that point. Um, I think that they gave him the opportunity to, you know, bring out his heritage, you know, and, and to have, because uh, all his training came from Mexico and from Juarez, and, you know, we lived in Mexico for a year so he could train and get into the circuit over there. And it was really important for him to, to have that in his character, to be Latino and represent the people, you know, from his heritage. And, you know, for him being the smaller guy, it just it brought a, a challenge to him that he wanted to show everyone that it was going to be David and Goliath's story, that it wasn't about size because, you know, Eddie had, was in the ring with a lot of big guys, you know, Big Show and um, Dave Batista, but, you know, Eddie would just dance around them and he wanted to prove to everyone that it wasn't about size, it was about the heart and it was about the fight that, that he had inside of him. And, you know, I think that was really important. And he just wanted to prove to everyone that, you know, he wasn't going to be discriminated because he was a shorter shorter guy. <laughs> right. And you almost, after, I don't know, two seconds, you don't even notice it because he's that good in the ring. You don't even pay any attention to it. So good and so believable. And one of the best, one of the masters at his craft, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, it was fun how he could take a crowd and they clap and he'd be nice and he would, you know, make them think that he was, you know, on better terms with his opponent and he would apologize and then he would, you know, screw them over with some kind of move and then <laughs> he would piss them off. And that was, he loved toying with the audience. And, you know, it's just, uh, that's that's true talent. You know, a lot of people can't manipulate an audience like that. And he just, he loved, you know, making them, you know, cry to laugh, to go back to being pissed off. And he, as long as he did that, he had a good night, you know, the rest of the night. Yep. And they always say, you know, Steve Austin was you know, basically a heel, but everyone loved him because of the character. But him, lie, cheat, and steal when he was a good guy, quote, unquote, <laughs> he literally got cheered, but he was cheating. And then, you know, it tricked the ref and hit the guy with the chair and throw the chair. I mean, he was yeah. so good at doing that. It's just crazy when you look back at it. But, you know, he, he loved the entertainment. I mean, as much as people hated him, just to come out in the low rider, you know, whether he had Vince or China in the low rider, people loved that whole excitement of the low rider coming out and, you know, he was, you know, jumping the car and, you know, and having fun. And then he'd come in the ring and then he'd be pissed off, you know, or he'd suddenly, you know, be mad at the world. And that's just, that's entertainment. That was his, that was just him letting the audience, you know, come to a show, pay their ticket. And he wanted to make sure that anyone that paid a ticket, they were getting their money's worth and that they went home talking about him. And that was something that he strived for every night, that he wanted to give them something to go home and talk about. I love that. 
And as far as you and your time in the business, and obviously you got the podcast, you got the book coming out, what would you say is the lasting legacy or the stamp that you left behind on the wrestling business? Oh, gosh, John. Let's see. Um, you know, I, I think my legacy is that I want to be the role model to, sh- to show females and males out there that it's not about, you know, how you look that makes you successful. You know, I was a – I was – coming into WWE, one of the heaviest women. And, you know, just by the grace of God and having the talent to be able to be the heel and the general manager and to uh, work with these amazing, you know, superstars and, you know, and, and have a legacy of being the general manager. It wasn't about, you know, me having the long hair and the, you know, the hot body. It was about the talent that I had and the heart that I had for the business. So I think it's just really having, you know, showing women that it's about, your talent and heart. It's not about how you look that you can succeed in life. And what do we have to look forward to as far as the podcast? You got some surprises coming up, but what's going to, you know, down the line, what do we got coming up on the podcast? Uh, gosh, on the podcast we have, um, we're introducing all of the, you know, wrestling promotions that are that are hot these days. We have NWA. We're working with AEW. I'm going to Garland, Texas just to be um, at their show and to, uh, you know, interview some superstars there. We have New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, we have Impact. So I'm, I'm just really, you know, loving that I can expose all these superstars so the fans can get them to know, know them a little bit better. And to, you know... Um, showcase them and, and let the fans know what their history is and where they, what their um, goals are. So I think that's just really, I love the podcast world because we're going to be their voice and we're going to be able to have some fun with them and, you know, and talk about, you know, just different issues in the business and how they relate it with raising their families and having a spouse. I mean, all that is just like another part of this wrestling industry that people don't know about. I think it's just uh, something that's needed because no one ever asked me and Eddie how we balance life and how we work as a couple. And a lot of a lot of guests are just really appreciating the the rawness of you know what the family life is like. You know, with them being on the road. Very very cool. And of course, that is excuse me, the Vicky Guerrero show available wherever you're able to get podcasts, wherever your podcasts are. Check it out for sure. And Vicky, what other kind of social media plugs? What other plugs you got going on besides the podcast? Gosh, on uh, Instagram, I'm at Guerrero underscore Vicky. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Vicky Guerrero. I have VickyGuerrero.net, which is my website where you can find uh, merchandise for Eddie and for myself. And um, you can find me on RaveVIP.com where you can uh, pay, purchase a live one-on-one screen chat with me. And um, yeah, and you know, I can be on Cameo too. So uh, you can find me anywhere you look. And I'm on YouTube as well. <laughs> Awesome stuff. And Vicky, I almost to uh, some of the guests, I want to say like, you know, uh, you know, hopefully you get some stuff going on or, you know, hopefully you get busy coming up or something like for you. It's almost like you got to slow down a little. You got too much going on. It's crazy. <laughs> then I get bored, John. So <laughs> yeah, I, I do take some days to just have to myself. So I do, I do love life and, and have some downtime, but um, I thank you so much for letting me be on the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, it's an honor to have you on and thank you again. And I really appreciate it. Good luck with everything. And obviously, Follow, keep an eye, keeping very busy. Thanks, John. Take care. This podcast was a presentation of the two man power trip of wrestling's podcast empire.